Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast, the Yankees and Mets trade deadline retrospective. I have been looking forward to doing this podcast for a while because sometimes I'm on the air, I get into something, and I want to keep going and going and going and going and go really deep into a topic that would probably turn off 85% of the audience. With a podcast, if you're bored five minutes in, shut it off. Go listen to something else. If you're entertained by this, then great. <laughs> Good for you, because I'm entertained by it. So here's what we're going to do. The trade deadline is always a very exciting time of year, mostly for Yankee fans, sometimes occasionally for Met fans. And what I decided to do a couple of days ago was write down, didn't take me that long, but write down every quote-unquote trade deadline deal made by the New York Mets and by the New York Yankees. Now, I wanted to have a starting point. So the starting point I decided on was 1995. And my thinking for that was, it's kind of that modern era. If you are over the age of 30, you remember probably all of these deals. If you're a little bit younger, that's fine. If you're a little bit older, here's the problem with me going into the 80s and the 70s and talking in depth about the Midnight Massacre. I can't give you the perspective of how I felt at the time. Because it's just history. So from 1995 on, I remember most of these deals. I'd say all of these deals, but that would be a lie. Because I think as you listen, you're going to come across some trades and say, I actually don't remember that. So here are the qualifications. I will occasionally point out an August trade. But I will tell you, hey, this is an August trade. This was not your typical trade deadline deal. I wanted every deal in the month of July, because sometimes these trade deadline deals are made early in July. Sometimes they're as late as July 31st. I will brief you, briefly give you my thoughts at the time when the trade went down, and looking back on it today, the history and what that trade means to us all of these years later. I didn't include 2018. I think it's too recent. So I will go from 1995 to 2017. I will give you the date of the trade. I will tell you if it was a buy, a sell, or somewhere in the middle, and then we could analyze, was it good? And I think at the conclusion of this podcast, we're going to know kind of a, a good idea of how the Yankees and Mets have done overall in their history of buying and selling. Spoiler alert, the Mets do a lot more selling than the Yankees. Here's another spoiler alert. Even though the Yankees sell a lot less than the Mets... The Yankees selling has gone a lot better, especially recently. So let's get started. Let's go all the way back to 1995 and July 28th. In 1995, the Mets were actually having a surprisingly better year than we thought. It was actually a halfway decent season because the rebuild was in full swing. You could see the emergence of young pitching like Jason Isringhausen, who had made his major league debut. Paul Wilson's coming. Bill Pulsifer is coming. But the Mets had some veterans to trade away. So on July 28th, they dealt all-star, I think he was all-star, Bobby Bonilla to the Orioles for Alex Ochoa and Damon Buford. Alex Ochoa, to this day, the five-tool guy. We were sold such a bag of goods about Alex Ochoa, but that was the return. Alex Ochoa and Damon Buford for Bobby Bonilla. The end result, blah. And you'll notice a lot of this. The Mets sold. They didn't do well. A few days later, they sold Brett Saberhagen, and they received back Arnie Gooch and Juan Acevedo. Acevedo had a moment and a half, maybe, 
as a New York Met. But again, he never panned out. So that was the selling of 1995. Around that same time, the Yankees were buying. And one of their buys turned out to be pretty damn good. They traded Marty Jansen, Jason Jarvis, and Mike Gordon for David Cohen. (laughs) I think that went well. David Cohen obviously contributed as the Yankees made the playoffs in 1995. I think he threw 150 pitches in that playoff game. And then, of course... Uh, he was pretty essential in 1996. Now, David Cohn was a sell of the Mets a few years earlier, but obviously we're starting in 1995. The Yankees also acquired Ruben Sierra for Danny Tartable, which was a buy, but obviously they weren't exactly giving up prospects at that time with Danny Tartable. 1996. So this one, I don't even know what you call this. And this is an infamous trade where the New York Mets traded a guy who traded for a guy who they thought could be a Hall of Famer someday and ultimately ended up trading a guy who should be a Hall of Famer someday. That was the Jeff Kent and Jose Vizcaino for Carlos Baerga and Alvaro Espinosa trade. So when they made this deal, I remember my dad and I would get baseball weekly, okay, because that's how you were really getting your stats updates. We're not able to have an MLB app at that time. We're not watching every single game. And so our first reaction upon this trade was, oh my God, Carlos Baerga. This guy was a hitting machine. After the deal, we quickly went to Baseball Weekly and we saw that at that time, Baerga was not having a great year. And that was our first warning sign. And I vaguely remember his Met debut coming in a doubleheader. And I think he came off the bench and got a big hit. And that was really it. I mean, he clearly lost it. And of course, when we talk about Met second basemen's, And big names that they've brought in, that's why his name is infamous. The Jeff Kent part, I don't know if Jeff Kent ever would have been a superstar here. I don't know if it ever would have worked here. You always heard that he wasn't beloved by his teammates. He wasn't beloved by the media. I was lucky enough to meet Jeff Kent as a kid. Guy was the nicest guy in the world. But I can't tell you that it would have worked here. So it looks worse than the reality of the trade. A couple days later, the Yankees made some buys As they would go on and win the World Series, they traded Ruben Sierra and Matt Drews for Big Daddy, Cecil Fielder, and they traded Mark Hutton for David Weathers. So those were the buys, adding to the depth of that 1996 team. In 1997, the Mets did not make a trade before the deadline, but I want to note the deal that they made in August. That was, and this one, see, this doesn't qualify as a buy or a sell. Okay, 1997, the Mets were surprisingly good. They were better than we thought. They ended up winning 88 games, and they were on the precipice of the wild card race. They traded Lance Johnson, who was one year removed from that incredible regular season that he had, Mark Clark, who was a halfway decent rotation piece, and Manny Alexander, and they got back Brian McRae, Mel Rojas, and Turk Wendell. I I would overall say this trade worked out. Because Turk Wendell was certainly an integral part of that 1999 and 2000 team. But what's funny is, at the time, Turk Wendell was the third guy in the deal. I think the key to that deal was Mel Rojas, who sucked. He was awful. And Brian McRae never matched that early potential he had in his career. So, you know, Lance Johnson was past his prime. Mark Clark was nothing. Manny Alexander was nothing. So really... Out of this six-player trade, the guy who made the biggest impact after the deal was made was Turk Wendell. So I would say that was a win. 
That was by Steve Phillips, and that was a little bit after the July 31st trade deadline. That was August 8th. The Yankees, this turned out to be a pretty good trade, even though the guy turned out to be a scumbag. They traded David Weathers and got back Chad Curtis. Obviously, Curtis would have some big moments for the Yankees over the next couple of years. Let's go to 1998. 1998. Can I start with the Yankees? Because I think it's funny. The Yankees did not make any trade. And it's just funny because the Yankees in 1998, put together the greatest regular season and greatest postseason combined of our lifetime. Bottom line. I know Red Sox fans are going to try to argue last year was better. The Mariners had a better regular season in 2001. We all know what happened to them in the ALCS. The Yankees had the greatest team maybe any of us have ever seen. So why would they need to make a trade? The Mets, who are in a pennant race, They would ultimately collapse at the end of the season. I think they lost their last five games of the season against Montreal and then Atlanta, made three trades, and all of them did very little. Number one, they traded Bernard Gilkey, who at this point was completely washed, and Nelson Figueroa. Keep that name in mind. And they got back Willie Blair and Jorge Fabregas, the catcher. What I remember about Willie Blair is he started a doubleheader against the Cardinals and Mark McGuire during that 98 rampage, hit one right center field off the Budweiser scoreboard. And I remember it to being so pissed off that Met fans were cheering for Mark McGuire. And I couldn't understand. Me and my dad were cursing at people around us. What are you doing? The Mets are in a pennant race. It's the middle of August. Doubleheader against the Cardinals. And I don't... Oh, history, but it's history. Give me a break. They also acquired Tony Phillips, who I remember striking out looking a lot during that five-game collapse. At this point, Tony Phillips was washed. They got him for minor leaguer Leo Estrella, and they traded Bill Pulsifer, no longer a prospect, for Mike Kincaid. So very unimpactful deals in 1998. In 1999, again, the Yankees are so good, they barely have to make deals. Their one move they made was bringing back Jim Laritz. That was it. The Mets, on the other hand, were very active in buying. Let's go through all of these because <laughs> there was a lot. Number one, on July 23rd, they traded Terrence Long for Kenny Rogers. Here's the truth. Kenny Rogers was a good New York Met. Let me duck. Let me duck because people are going to throw crap at me. Kenny Rogers pitched well for the Mets to close 1999. The problem was the playoffs. The problem is the image Unlike Beltron, who unfairly gets criticized for striking out looking, I don't have an issue with ripping Kenny Rogers for ball four to Andrew Jones. I don't, because that was a defining moment in the early part of my life. And even though Armando Benitez and Johnny Franco also blew that game, I just want to state the fact that Rogers pitched well, but yeah, we're all going to remember for the postseason. And Terrence Long, by the way, ended up having a solid major league career. July 31st, they were busy. Here's what Steve Phillips did. He traded Brian McRae and Rigo Beltran for Daryl Hamilton and Chuck McElroy. McElroy stunk. Hamilton solid met the late Daryl Hamilton, might I add. This one. This is a bad one. You ready for a bad one? (laughs) Billy Taylor. Remember they got Billy Taylor from Oakland? All right. That didn't work out. They traded Greg McMichael. Fine. Who cares? It was his second stint with the Mets. And they traded a young former prospect named Jason Isringhausen, who went on and had a pretty damn good career as a closer. Now, here's a good one. 
Now, here's a really good little under-the-radar trade that Steve Phillips made also on that day. He traded Craig Paquette, who I think was a third baseman, for Sean Dunstan. And my memory of Sean Dunstan as a Met was the at-bat he had to start the final inning of the Grand Slam single. What an at-bat. Mets are down a run at this point. What was the official number on the pitches he fouled off? I think it was a 12-pitch at-bat, finally rips a base hit, starts the rally. That's my memory of Sean Dunstan as a Met. Let's go to 2000. Let us go to one of the greatest buys in Yankee history. You ready? This is one of, and I wanted to include this. It was June 29th, okay? So it just missed July 1st, but I, I wanted to include it because of how amazing this guy was. And I think you could argue the greatest... June-July trade the Yankees have made in the last 30 years. David Justice. Let me just end it there. Because I don't think David Justice gets enough credit for what he did for the Yankees. His numbers after the Yankees traded for him in 2000 were insane. And by the way, the Yankees didn't exactly dominate in 2000. They only won 87 games. And also, the the image and the memory I have of that ALCS against Seattle was twofold. A-Rod, I'm sorry, Roger Clemens dominating and scaring A-Rod when he come up and in. I think that was game three or game four of the ALCS that he dominated. And David Justice hitting the grand slam or the three-run home run, whatever it was, that caused Michael K to scream, get your tokens ready. Here's what they gave up. They gave up Jake Westbrook, who had a, a solid career, Zach Day, and Ricky Lede. But what David Justice did, the final stretch of that season was unbelievable. In fact, I'm actually going to do some. Now I'm looking something up. This is all off memory. Now I got to pull up the numbers because they were amazing. Here, are you ready for this? 78 games after the trade. 305, 20 home runs, and 60 RBIs. In 78 games! That's a 41-20 pace. Ridiculous. Now, he didn't hit that much in that postseason outside of, I think, a big hit he had against Seattle. Actually, no, he won the MVP of that series. That's right. But I think his overall numbers were okay during the postseason, but it was really what he did in that deal. And yeah, he won the ALCS MVP of 2000. So that is one of the great trades you'll ever see. Now, they also made a deal for Denny Nagel, which we've talked about. You're going to hear a lot of trades that we've talked about, about how Brian Cashman has not been the greatest buyer of starting pitchers at the deadline. They gave up a lot, but nobody really panned out in this deal. They gave up Ed Yarnell, former Met prospect. I think he was in the Piazza trade. Drew Henson, big prospect. The quarterback did nothing. Jackson Millian. I remember him. He was a big prospect too. And Brian Reef. None of them really panned out, but neither did Denny Nagel. Here were the Met deals. They traded Melvin Mora, Mike Kincaid, Leslie Bray, and Pat Gorman from Mike Bordick. <laughs> and that's all because Ray Ordonez got hurt, and that's also because they tried to trade for Barry Larkin, and he didn't approve the trade. Mike Bordick was terrible after his first at-bat where he hit the home run, and I think what made this worse was that Met fans loved Melvin Mora. Mora had become a popular figure because of his contributions during the postseason in 1999 and was filling in for Adonia as a shortstop. They thought they needed a veteran upgrade, and Mora ended up having a really good career with the Orioles. So that just, that was a bad one. That was a bad one. And I mentioned they trade Jason Isringhausen. They trade Bill Pulsifer. They traded the final piece of Generation K, Paul Wilson and Jason Tyner, who was a speedster in the outfield for Bubba Trammell and Rick White, the relief pitcher. And I wanted to point this out. And you'll know why I'm pointing this out. The Mets made one more trade. 
on August 30th, right before the September 1st deadline, they acquired an infielder named Jorge Valendia. But I will let you know who they gave up. They gave up a young outfielder by the name of Nelson Cruz. I'm going to leave that one right there. Uh, 2001, the Yankees did basically nothing. They brought back Sterling Hitchcock. That's what they did. (laughs) Who did pitch in the postseason that year and did okay. So they did do a little bit of that. The Mets now are off the selling because they stink. Dennis Cook and Turk Wendell for a minor leaguer named Adam Walker and Bruce Chen, who became a journeyman. So uh, notice the pattern. The Mets are selling and they're getting nothing back. They also traded Rick Reed to Minnesota for Matt Lawton, which at the time confused me because obviously Matt Lawton was an everyday player and it just seemed like they weren't getting anything young for Rick Reed. They weren't getting prospects. And the Mets that year, here's what's odd. They're doing sell-off trades because they're 11 and a half games back. Makes perfect sense. Remember that season? They pulled within three games of the National League East. That was after September 11th. They were winning every single day. And on back-to-back Sundays, if I'm not mistaken, they lost brutal games to the Atlanta Braves with Brian Jordan hitting big home runs. So they teased us in 01, but they were selling at least with the the Wendell Cook trade, maybe not as much with the Rick Reed-Matt Lawton trade, but they were selling at the end of 2001. 2002, Yankees made one deal. They acquired Jeff Weaver. This is a really bad one because not only did Jeff Weaver do nothing for the Yankees outside of a couple of years later or one year later, giving up a World Series game-winning home run to Alex Gonzalez, but they gave up three young players in the deal. John Ford Griffin, who cares? Jason Arnold, who cares? The third one you'll care about, Ted Lilly who put together a pretty good career. Here are the Mets selling. Let's see how they did. They sold off Jay Payton. They got back Mark Little and John Thompson. And John Thompson was not a prospect. I think he was in his 30s at the time. Then they traded Bobby Jones. And they got back Jason Middlebrook and Steve Reed. Again, these guys are not even prospects. Oh, by the way, in the Bobby Jones trade, the Mets included a minor leaguer. That minor leaguer was Jason Bay. Let's forget Jason Bay as a Met. Jason Bay had a pretty good career with the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Boston Red Sox, and the Mets traded him on July 31st as a throw-in in a deal for Jason Middlebrook and Steve Reed. Uh, this is a good one, and I note this. It was in August, but I want to note it because this is a very underrated deal in that they got someone back who would help them long-term. They dealt Sean Estes. They got back a guy named Elvin Beltre. No idea who he is. Raul Gonzalez, who I remember as a basically a fourth outfielder, and Pedro Feliciano. Not too shabby. All right, Mets did a lot of selling in 2003, and the Yankees did a lot of odd buying. Let's start with the Mets. They traded Roberto Alomar, and I referenced this trade recently about how Royce Ring, I thought, was going to be their future closer. That was the big piece they were getting back. And the first time we saw Royce Ring, we all knew, oh my God, the guy can't break a pane of glass with his fastball. They also got back Edwin Almonte. So when the Mets sold Robbie Alomar, they got nothing back. When they sold Jeremy Burnett two weeks later, they got back Victor Diaz, who did tease us. Joe once infamously said that Victor Diaz would be better than either David Wright or Jose Reyes. It didn't work out, but he'd have some moments. Hit a big home run against the Chicago Cubs uh, a year later, I think, when he was up at the major league level against Latroy Hawkins. 
They also traded Armando Benitez to the Yankees. See, the Mets do make trades with the Yankees. They got back Jason Anderson and Anderson Garcia. Yippee. They also dumped Graham Lloyd for somebody named Jeremy Hill, and they dumped shortstop Ray Sanchez for Kenny Kelly. Not Kelly Kelly, Kenny Kelly. Uh, The argument can be made, look, what are the Mets selling here? How could you even expect a lot back? As far as the Yankees, they obviously traded for Armando Benitez, a guy that they would deal later on for Jeff Nelson. I think that was actually a post-July 31st trade. They dealt away Robin Ventura for Scott Proctor and Bubba Crosby. And this one would have a pretty big impact. They traded one of their top young left-handed pitching prospects, Brandon Clawson. I remember his name a lot. Ah, Can they deal Brandon Clawson? They got back Aaron Boone. And if Aaron Boone doesn't hit the home run, what an if, that trade is glossed upon. I mentioned it for eight seconds. That's how impactful he was. He didn't do anything, but he did hit one of the bigger home runs in baseball history. And I think what also makes it a bigger deal is that he's now the manager of the team. And I don't know if he manages this team if he doesn't hit that big home run in game seven of 2003. So those are the deals the Yankees have made in 03. Let's move to 2004. The Yankees only made one deal. They dumped Jose Contreras and they got back the corpse of Esteban Loaiza. Loaiza was a very mediocre pitcher outside of one big year he had with the Chicago White Sox. As a Yankee, he was absolutely awful. This 2004 trade deadline is very infamous in Met history. Um, Number one, Scott Casimir. I mean, that's where it really leads off. July 30th, they made three trades that day. Uh, Really two trades. There was a three-way trade, and then there was the Scott Casimir trade. I remember where I was when I found out about this trade. I was in the mall. I was at a Rundle Mills Mall in Maryland with my girlfriend at the time. Dudley, calm down. I know we're bringing up a bad memory. My dog's starting to bark a little bit. And my dad called me up and said they traded Scott Casimir. And I said, you got to be kidding. Now, he also told me about the other trade, which we'll get to. And when he told me about it, I was in the food court. And I got nervous. I bent down and said, what are they getting back? And when he told me Victor Zambrano, I dropped an F-bomb very, very loud in the middle of that mall. You know who was in that mall at the time? WWE legend Virgil. He was signing autographs. What a coincidence. Victor Zambrano and Bartolome Fortunato. That's who they got back for Scott Casimir. And look, did Scott Casimir turn into Sandy Koufax? No. But the argument that we all had, and my point certainly at the time, was if you are going to trade Scott Casimir, first of all, don't do it because Al Leiter and John Franco don't like him, even though both of those guys deny that to this day. But you had to do better than Victor Zambrano. Just because Rick Peterson says he's going to fix him in 15 minutes, give me a break. So that is a trade that is infamous. Obviously, we still talk about it to this day, the Scott Casimir trade. But it did not backfire as big as maybe we thought. It kind of reminds me of the Pineda-Montero trade. And the only reason I bring up a comparison is I think the argument Yankee fans had at the time wasn't simply what's Pineda going to be, because I think that turned out to be a very blah trade. Montero didn't turn out to be anything. Pineda probably had more success than Montero. It was, if you're going to trade Montero, you got to do better than that. And I think that's the argument that the Mets had, or Met fans had. The other deal was the Chris Benson, Jeff Kepinger trade. They gave up a bunch of pieces in this deal, including having Jose Batista for five minutes, because the Pirates 
were in this trade. The Mets were in this trade, and I think there was a third team. Kansas City, I think, was the third team. And Batista ended up as a Met, and then they ended up flipping him very quickly. But they ultimately gave up uh, Matt Peterson, who was a pitching prospect, Ty Wigginton, who clearly had lost his job at that point because David Wright was taking over as the third baseman. And they got back Chris Benson. And honestly, Chris Benson's more remembered for his wife than for him. Right, Dudley? Yeah, he agrees. In 2005, the Mets did nothing. They, I don't want to say they were in a pennant race, but I remember there was a big home run by Ramon Castro against the Phillies late August, early September. That got us all excited. But you you felt the Mets were at least moving in the right direction. They had made all the big signings during that offseason, but they didn't do anything at the trade deadline. The Yankees made one move, and again, one of the better Brian Cashman pitching acquisitions, maybe the best Brian Cashman July pitching trade he's ever made. He traded Ramon Ramirez, turned out to be a halfway decent reliever, and would end up with the Mets someday, and a minor leaguer named Eduardo Sierra for Sean Chacon. How great. For the final two months with Sean Chacon, he pitched well in the postseason that year against the Angels. He was terrible the following year. But at the time when they made that deal, July 28, 2005, we figured, ah, blah, whatever. Chacon was really, really good down the stretch for the Yankees. 2006, the Mets and the Yankees both made a somewhat significant trade within a day of each other. We'll start with the Yankees. They ended up giving up nothing when you look at the names they dealt. They dealt a guy named Matt Smith. They dealt a guy named Jesus Sanchez. They dealt C.J. Henry, who I think was a first-round pick, and they traded Carlos Monsterios to the Philadelphia Phillies for Corey Lytle and Bobby Abreu. You have to admit, while it may not have translated into any championships, very good trade. Bobby Abreu had a couple of pretty solid years with the Yankees, Unfortunately, with Corey Lytle, he died that offseason. The Yankees flamed out in the first round against the Detroit Tigers. They lost in four. Lytle had called up, I think, the radio station arguing with Mike and Chris, but he didn't make much of an impact as far as pitching was concerned. Unfortunately, we all think of the tragedy that ended his life. But Bobby Abreu ended up having a couple of good years with the Yankees. And you look at what the Yankees gave up. They didn't really give up anything. They gave up five pieces or four pieces. What did any of them turn out to be? The Met one was weird because Duaner Sanchez, who had, was having a very good year as the main eighth inning reliever, got hurt in a taxi cab accident. And so the Mets felt they needed to replace him. And so they traded for Roberto Hernandez, who at that point was in his late 30s. But here were the two weird parts of this deal. Number one, the guy they got with Roberto Hernandez was Oliver Perez, who not only made a huge impact that season for starting Game 7 of the NLCS, but would go on, sign that new contract, and more so live in Met history more as a negative than a positive, even though he did have some positive moments. I mean, he pitched a hell of a game in that Game 7, even though Willie Randolph should have taken Perez out before Scott Rowland hit one over the fence and Andy Chavez had to bring it back, but whatever, I digress. But the other weird part was they included Xavier Nady. So it was Xavier Nady for Roberto Hernandez and Ali Perez. Most trades are sells or buys. The Mets were clearly buying. They're buying Ali Perez. They're buying Roberto Hernandez. To have to include a guy that was a part of that core was very odd and not ideal. You don't see that very often. I remember when the Oakland A's traded for John Lester, they traded Yoannis Cespedes in the trade. If you're buying players, you don't want to have to give up a guy who's a part of your core. 
And so ideally, the Mets wouldn't have been pressed to trade for Roberto Hernandez, but also wouldn't have had to have dealt a core guy like Xavier Nady. Let's go to 2007. The Yankees made two minor trades that year. They dealt Scott Proctor right before his arm fell off for Wilson Bediment, the infielder, and they traded Jeff Kennard for Jose Molina. So two very nondescript trades. The Mets on July 30th brought in Luis Castillo. They traded, the guy they traded is Drew Butera. I say that with that inflection in my voice because Drew Butera became a major leaguer. I'm not saying he became a good major leaguer, but he did become a journeyman major leaguer. But the one thing I want to point out about that trade deadline is right around that deal, the Mets released a minor league player. They released a 17-year-old. That 17-year-old they released was Jose Quintana. Who knew that he would turn into a pretty good major league left-handed pitcher? The Yankees had him too, by the way, but I do want to anoint that, uh, point that out. See, as I'm going through all these trades, you find those kinds of gems. Let's go to 2008. The Yankees traded Kyle Farnsworth for Yvonne Pudge Rodriguez. So not really a buy, not really a sell, but they brought in Pudge towards the end of his career. They also made a deal with the Pirates. They traded Jeff Carstens, Daniel McCutcheon, Ross Ollendorf, who I think they got back in the Randy Johnson trade, and Jose Tabata for Damaso Marte, the lefty reliever, and Xavier Nady comes full circle. And the Mets didn't make any deal at the trade deadline. But remember, in 2008, as they were not necessarily collapsing, but struggling to try to make the postseason, they were suffering with injuries everywhere. On August 17th, they traded for their closer. The problem is that guy was Luis Ayala. Now, it's not like they were trading for a superstar. They're trading for Luis Ayala. I, I don't remember everything about what we were thinking around that time at the trade deadline, but you would have hoped they would have done more. And they didn't. The one deal they made was trading Anderson Hernandez, a second baseman shortstop for Luis Ayala. Let's go to 2009. 2009, the Yankees won the World Series. They made one trade. A minor leaguer named Chase Weems was traded on July 31st for depth. That was it. Jerry Hairston. So it's just interesting to think about that. Here is a year, and I know the Yankees had a very active, very active offseason. But the only move they made was to just go out and get Jerry Harrison Jr., whose impact was very, very limited. Got a handful of at-bats during the postseason, uh, was a bench player, didn't really do much. That was the one trade they made in 2009. The Mets were selling. And I always like to mention this sell because it pisses me off. And it's an August trade, but I want to point it out. Billy Wagner was coming off Tommy John, and instead of picking up a part of his salary, they wanted the Red Sox to pay it, and that's why they only got back Eddie Laura and Chris Carter. The Mets also traded Ryan Church for Jeff Francoeur. You'd have to say it was a net positive, I think. I mean, Francoeur was okay as a Met. Ryan Church, I don't remember doing much else after that. So kind of a blah trade. 2010, the Mets did nothing. They sucked, and they had nothing to sell. The Yankees that year made the ALCS. They traded Zach McAllister for Austin Kearns. They traded for Kerry Wood, but here's a bad one. While they brought in Lance Berkman, who wasn't terrible, they included a minor leaguer named Mark Melanson, who ended up getting, taking a bad contract, but overall has had a pretty good year out of the bullpen. So those are the three deals they made in 2010. 2011. For the Mets, it's the beginning of the Sandy Alderson era. For the Yankees, they did nothing that year. 
For the Mets, here are the two big moves they traded. Uh, moved. They dumped Frankie Rodriguez. They got back Danny Herrera and Adrian Rosario, those household names. And then probably the best sell the Mets have ever done. Carlos Beltran for Zach Wheeler. That first real defining trade of the Sandy Alderson era. I've talked a lot about the Mets selling. I just mentioned Frankie Rodriguez, even before that, Billy Wagner. This is far and away the biggest prospect they got back in a sell deal. And remember, Beltran didn't do that much for San Francisco, ended up getting hurt. The Giants didn't win that year. 2012, I guess, again, the Mets had nothing to sell. No trades in 2012. The Yankees, a couple of small buys. They traded Chad Qualls for Casey McGee, and they traded Danny Farquaugh for Ichiro. So very blah, very, very blah on the Yankee and Mets sides. Um, In 2013, another blah one. They brought back Alfonso Soriano for minor leaguer Corey Black. They had to pay money. That was really the gist of that trade. And the Mets, on the other hand, sold Marlon Byrd and John Buck, and all they got back was Vic Black, a reliever, who never panned out to do much, and Dilson Herrera, who I think we believed at a time was going to be the heir apparent at second base. That was an August trade as well. Let's go to 2014. Again, the Mets do nothing. Mets have been very inactive now in the early part of the Sandy Alderson era. The Yankees were very active, including one trade that I remember when it happened. We all said, wow, that's weird. The Yankees and Red Sox made a trade. That was when the Yankees traded Kelly Johnson for Stephen Drew. They also traded Jan Gervis Salarte and Jose Rafael de Paula for Chase Headley. And that was more about the following year and Chase being around. They ended up signing him. He spent a couple of years here and overall was not very good. This, very underrated, mainly because the Yankees didn't win anything in 2014, but one of the underrated pitching acquisitions of the Cashman era traded Vidal Nuno for Brandon McCarthy. Brandon McCarthy pitched really well for the Yankees over the final two and a half months of that year. But again, very unmemorable because the Yankees didn't make the postseason, and they made one other trade. They traded a minor leaguer first baseman, Peter O'Brien, for Martin Prado. Let's go to 2015. 2015, Yankees did very little. They traded uh, Ramon Flores and Jose Ramirez for Dustin Ackley, who was a former big-time prospect. The Mets, on the other hand, I think we all remember what they did. First, they would desperate to improve this offense. The Mets were right around 500 in 2015. And I think what put Alderson over the top, that he had to do something, was what I like to call the Clayton Kershaw game. Mets are playing the Dodgers at Citi Field, and I think John Mayberry was hitting cleanup. And it was the first time, and I wasn't the only one, we walked into the ballpark thinking, Clayton Kershaw may throw a perfect game. This lineup is so bad, he may pitch a perfect game. He didn't, but I think he took a no-hitter into the fifth or sixth inning, and not too much later, the Mets shredded for Juan Uribe and Kelly Johnson. Great. Good. Fine. Uh, One problem. They included a minor leaguer named John Gant, who's who's become a very good reliever for the St. Louis Cardinals. Who knew? Who knew? They also traded for Tyler Clipper. They gave up minor leaguer Casey Meisner, and then the big one, the biggie. Yoannis Cespedes for Michael Fulmer and Luis Sessa. I know Fulmer's hurt. Even if Fulmer wasn't hurt, this was a great, great trade. You cannot judge this trade based on the Mets signing him twice. You judge this trade based on what happened in 2015. What happened in 2015 is the Mets won a division and won a pennant because of this trade. So whatever you think of Cespedes, whatever you think of the contracts they gave him, 
You have to separate these things. It has nothing to do with it when you're analyzing this trade in the annals, in the annals of Met trade history. 2016. We'll get to the Met one because the Yankees were very active in 2016, really setting the tone of the future of the franchise. The Mets traded Dilson Herrera and Max Wotel on August 1st. So they just missed July 31st, but I want to point it out for Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce did nothing in 2016, but then obviously was a lot better the following year. Though the Jay Bruce legacy with the Mets is complicated. Because <laughs> when they bought him, he sucked. He didn't do anything. I think Joe even thought, guy can't handle New York. Following season has a very good year. Then they trade him. Then they bring him back. I mean, the, the whole thing is just a mess. And now he's attached to the Robinson Cano trade. Here are the Yankees. And, and these are deals we talk about and we will talk about for a very long time. We'll go in order of when they happened. July 25th, the Yankees traded a Roldis Chapman to the Chicago Cubs. They received back four players, Billy McKinney, who they would later use in a trade. Uh, a minor leaguer named Rashad Crawford, who I looked up, he's still around. He's 25 years old, probably not a prospect at this point, but is still in the Yankee system. Adam Warren and Glaber Torres. I don't really need to add any comment to that, do I? And, and oh, by the way, they re-signed to Roldis Chapman at the end of the year, which is, you know, it's an aspect of it, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. You look at what you gave up what you got, that's a separate move. And they obviously brought him back. Glaber Torres. Forget all the other names. Forget the fact that, you know, Billy McKinney was used in another deal. Forget that Rashad Crawford is still in their system. Forget that Adam Warren was around. Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres. July 31st, they traded a minor leaguer named Vincente Campos for Tyler Clippert. I think this was just to have a body on this team. And then they made the Andrew Miller trade. Here are the names they got back. And this legacy is still complicated because we don't know what a lot of these guys are going to turn into or where they're going to end up. They received back Ben Heller, who I think was hurt this year, a minor leaguer who's, who's got good numbers in AAA. J.P. Farajian is, I think, how you pronounce it, but he's still around. He's still in their system. Justice Sheffield, who was later used in the James Paxton trade, and Clint Frazier, who was later used in some other trade. I'm recording this before Clint Frazier has ever been traded. Who knows? It could happen at any moment. So that one is not as clear-cut as the Chapman trade because none of those guys are having an immediate impact on the core of this team. But Justice Sheffield was used as a main piece in acquiring James Paxton, and we'll see about Clint Frazier. Some underrated moves. On August 1st, they dumped Carlos Beltran. They got back Dylan Tate, Eric Swanson, and Nick Green. But they also traded Ivan Nova, and they got a young player back named Stephen Tarpley, who at least we see every once in a while on that shuttle between AAA Scranton and the Major League level. That deadline, even though most of these deadlines we've talked about has been all about the Yankees buying, 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 trying to win a world championship, that one may be their most infamous trade deadline, and it was actually selling. Now let's get to 2017. This is going to be the last year we cover. The Mets did some more selling. They traded Lucas Duda for Drew Smith. Blah! They traded Addison Reed for three relievers. Gerson Batista, who was used in the Cano trade. Jamie Callahan and Nagosik who we also see occasionally up at the major league level. They also did a little bit of a buy because Sandy was thinking about next year. He traded Ricardo Cespedes and Mirandy Gonzalez for A.J. Ramos, who was awful. 
Now the Yankees, 2017, surprisingly good year, made two big trades. Number one, on July 19th, where was I was on vacation when this trade was made. I think I was sitting on the beach somewhere. They traded Ian Clark and Tito Polo and Blake Rutherford for Todd Frazier, Tommy Canely, and David Robertson. What I feel good about is I remember when this deal was made, I think I texted Ernie, our producer, and I said this on the air. I said, Robertson will help them short term. Todd Frazier will help them short term. But the real key long term is Tommy Canely, and he's the only one around. Obviously, Robertson contributed. He ended up leaving as a free agent. We kind of knew Todd Frazier was a rental. And there's Tommy Canely. So that is a really good trade. None of those three guys have so far turned to anything. Both Frazier and Robertson helped them in the short term. And here's Tommy Canely long term. That is a very good trade. You know, the more you let it sink in because you're still feeling it to this day. And then on the negative side, 12 days later, and the jury's out on what the kids will turn into, but the Yankees traded Dustin Fowler, Jorge Mateo, and James Caprillion for one Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray. I know, Dudley's even screaming about that one. The buying of starting pitchers that we all talk about for the New York Yankees, their history of doing it has not been that good. It's mostly been headlined by Sean Chacon and Brandon McCarthy. And most of the impactful Yankee trade deadline deals of the last 25 years, going all the way back to 1995, are more so in the late 90s, early 2000s. I stand by this after going through all of this. The best deadline deals they made were for David Cohn and David Justice. And you could argue, in fact, I'm going to argue it, that the Justice one does stand above the rest. That the David Justice trade was the best trade deadline deal the Yankees have made in the last 25 years outside of the Chapman-Torres thing. Because that was a sell job. So the best sell was a Aroldis, Chapman, Glaber, Torres. The best buy was David Cohn, David J- It's probably Cohn long-term because of 1996. But ask yourself, did, did the Yankees win the World Series in 2000 without David Justice? The answer is probably not. The worst one... For the New York Yankees, I mean, there's a lot of, yeah, it didn't work out. We had hopes for it. It didn't work out. But, you know, giving up Mark Melanson sucks, I guess, but they didn't give up a lot of guys that turned out to be, you know, superstars. Giving up Ted Lilly sucks, but there isn't anything that really crushes you. As far as the Mets are concerned, I stand by something I've said many, many times. They are terrible sellers. Their best sell job to the date is Zach Wheeler. Any other time they've been selling, they have done a really, really bad job at it. And yet the Yankees, who very rarely sell, have the Claypool Torres one to at least put in their hat. And the Mets' best buy is Yoenna Cespedes. It just is. It made the biggest impact of any July 31st or July-ish trade of the last 25 years. So it's interesting going back on it. It's interesting looking and wondering, what's next? Well, I appreciate you listening. This is a podcast I've always wanted to do, a trade deadline retrospective. What's next, you ask? Well, next Tuesday, a SummerSlam preview. This 2019 version of SummerSlam. All the matches, our thoughts on the storylines, and our predictions, and of course, an instant reaction right after the SummerSlam pay-per-view ends on August 
11th. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.